Easter is three weeks away. And Pastor Keith and myself would love to invite you to join us in prayer for what God wants to do on Resurrection Sunday. Because I believe this message, the sermon series that we jump started last week that we started titled The Value of One. Y'all say that with me. The value of one. I believe it's a primer. Y'all know what primer means? He wants us to get ready. Tell your neighbor if you got one, get ready. Are you ready? I believe it's a primer for what God wants to do on Easter Sunday. We're hoping and praying that lost sons and daughters come to the God house, amen? That repenter, that sinners would come to a repentance, praise God, and prodigal sons and daughters would come into relationship and fellowship with the King of Kings. That's my prayer, and that's my hope that the sanctuaries in Arab and Holly Pond would be filled with hungry, I said hungry and desperate people. Anybody been hungry? Anybody been desperate? That's what we're praying and hoping for. And so as we look at our world, and we're going to talk about that today, you know, we got to be careful not to be discouraged. Does anybody watch the news? You got to watch the news. You got to be informed. But we got to be careful, especially as believers and Christians, we possess the hope of the world, right? The light of Christ. And so you got to be careful as you consume the news that you don't get discouraged as the news tells you how messed up the world is. Because is it messed up? Is God still in charge? Yes, he is. Right? And so we have to not be discouraged. The Lord just reminded me as we pray for our lost world and we pray for lost souls and sons and daughters and we pray for the light of Christ to invade the dark cracks and crevices of our world that, you know what? I don't have to do God's job. Can I get an amen? God just wants you to do your job. And each and every one of us have a, has a part to play and a role to play in his divine orchestration of what he wants to do in the earth. But this is how simple it is. We don't have to save the whole world all at once. We're talking about the value of one. That's the title of our message from now until Easter. And all we have to do is focus on one person, one soul, one family at a time. That's easy. I can pray for one lost person at a time. Right? I can pray for one lost family at a time. And little by little, God's house fills up. Little by little, signs, miracles, wonders. Little by little, God wins. Sound good? Amen. So I'm excited to dive in with you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15. And that's where we started last week. And I actually uh, challenged and invited the Holly Pond campus to read all of chapter 15 this week in their quiet time. It's only 32 verses. But what I love about chapter 15 is it's almost all, somebody say all, red letters. Does anybody else love red letters? I love them, right? Red letters just hit differently, right? They just cut to the core and they, Jesus speaks right to our hearts. And so most of all the chapter is red letters other than the first two verses, and Jesus is speaking directly to the Pharisees and the religious leaders in verses 1, one and 2. They're, they're judging Jesus and, and really condemning Jesus for the company that he keeps. You know, if you're a Christian, you need to still be pursuing the lost because God is obsessed with the lost. Did you know that? He is obsessed with souls and the lost. And so what? The rest of the chapter from verse 3 all the way to 32 is red letters. Jesus responding to what the, the Pharisees were thinking and saying. And I never noticed this in scripture before. Who's ever heard of the parable of the lost sheep? 
right? We read it last week. If you missed last week's message or today's your first time, you're joining us online. I got good news for you. We're not going to get a lot of recap. If you missed that message, you can get it online on our church app. It'll be beneficial for you, for you, right? But I never noticed this. He goes right from the parable of the lost sheep. It says the shepherd leaves the 99 for the one, right? We covered that last week. And then he rolls right in from that into the parable of the lost coin. That's what I'm super excited to dive in with you guys today about. And from there, he goes into another parable that most everybody knows is the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. Any prodigal sons and daughters in the house? Give me a shout. I'm one of them. Praise God. I'm thankful. And so, But I never noticed that. But as we read that, we got to see that there's value in one Jesus. Jesus is trying to drive home a point that souls matter. And praise God, we got a full house today. And God is thankful that you're here. He's thankful for the 99 air quotes, right? The 99 of us. But you got to know that his heart is grieved because we got empty seats in here. He's thankful for you. Keep doing what God's called you to do. But we got to be moved in compassion to see and know that there's value in the lost souls that are out there. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So let's read God's word together. If you've got your Bible, turn there to Luke chapter 15. Like I said, we're going to only give you two verses today. This parable is quick. He rolls right through it. Look what it says. He says, he just got done talking about the parable of the lost sheep. And he says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Somebody say one. We're talking about the value of one, right? Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? Okay. And when she finds it, she'll call on her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels, even when, there's that word again, one. One sinner repents. Isn't it amazing that there is joy in heavenly places and spaces when one sinner repents and returns to the high place that God has for them. Amen. Returns, repents, turns from their sin, returns to the high place that God has for them. It's really kind of crazy. The Holy Spirit was just showing me how Jesus, even last week as we read in the first seven verses, the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus equates people to sheep. Then today, as we read, he equates people to a lost coin. And the Holy Spirit was showing me, you know, back in the day, in biblical times, your flocks, your herds, your animals was another source of finance. It was value. It, it was value. It was, it was finance. And then he rolls right into the parable of the lost coin. He equates people, souls, to the value of money, finance. But, somebody say but. You got to know that souls are way more valuable than money, than mammon. And so, but that's a deeper message for maybe another day. But Jesus, this is what you got to get. You got to see and know that People that are lost, just as lost as a lost coin, will stay that way unless somebody finds them. And I'm thankful my prodigal son, but you know what? A lot of people that were doing what Ian was doing, a lot of people that were in the shoes Ian was in before I came to Jesus, they don't make it to that moment of clarity. That should stir your heart. What if I didn't make it? What if I would have OD'd? What if I would have killed myself? 
So we have to see the value in one. You have to see the value in one. So God is obsessed with souls. You got to get that in your spirit. As we're coming up on Easter in three weeks, you got to know that God is obsessed with souls. And what would happen, church, if we were as obsessed with souls as God is, as we are obsessed with the things, with our cell phones and our social media accounts and our streaming services and our fancy cars and our fancy houses and the play dates and the sports and our favorite sports teams. Y'all, if you lost your iPhone 14 today, you would turn the house upside down and backwards to find it. You'd have cushions turned over. You'd be nodding your hands and knees. You'd be looking. When's the last time you turned over some stuff for a soul? Can I get an amen? Church, this is what Jesus wants to do and promise for for Easter. You got to be searching and loving on people. And it's as simple as just inviting somebody to church. And you don't have to know 10 Bible verses. You don't have to know all the answers. All you got to do is pray. We're going to talk about that today. We commit to praying for some folks for the next 30 days up until Easter, 21 days up until Easter. And then simply the week of Easter saying, hey, I would love if you would come to church and watch God prepare their hearts for what he wants to do on Resurrection Sunday. Look at that first point for today. So look what it says. Look at this thought. It says, in this parable, Jesus describes lost people as a lost coin. In each parable, he reinforces the idea that one soul, one life, literally every person matters to God. If they matter to God, they should matter to us. Who believes you matter to God? I do. Right? That's not prideful. That's not boastful. That's confidence. I know I matter to God. Why do I know I matter to God? Because I have what they don't have. I have the truth. See, you, because you matter, they never, they matter. Tell your neighbor, you matter. Because you matter, they matter. And the difference is they may not know the truth. We said last week that we got to see it past the fact that not every lost person is an evil person. Not every lost person is out there purposely doing evil. Do we have evil people? Yes. Do we have people purposely doing evil? Yes, but what if there are millions of people that are just lost? And in this day and age, it's very easy to do. We have YouTube raising our kids. We have Facebook raising our kids, social media raising our kids. We have the public school systems. We got a good one here in Arab, but you better stay on them. Stay on them, folks. Go to the board meetings, know what they're teaching, because they are indoctrinating our kids in the exact opposite of truth. They're indoctrinating them in lies and deceit and discord. And the devil don't play fair, so why should we? And I'm going to talk about that today. We're going to play fair, but we're going to fight for those folks in prayer. If God's obsessed with souls, you better know the devil's obsessed with souls. He has done thrown the playbook out the window. And he is desperate doing whatever he can to kill steal, and destroy. So why is the church laying by and silent? Oh, I got my fire insurance. I done passed that test. Hope they make it. Guys, the church is not going to grow, and it's certainly not going to go. If that's the type of mentality we have, 
We have to be moved to a place of compassion. If you're a God seeker, guys, who came to me and seek God today, I hope that's you. I hope that's you online. If you're a God seeker, you got to be a people finder. If you are in relationship with God, you have to be a people finder because God loves people, especially lost people. Look at the next point. So I kind of already got ahead of myself a little bit, but that's just reinforce this idea, right? Lost coins aren't evil. They're not bad. They're just lost. A coin represents an inanimate object that doesn't have a will of its own. A coin is controlled by the choices and decisions of others. Think of a coin for a moment. Jesus used it specifically for a purpose. A coin doesn't have a say in where it goes, right? It's inanimate. It's not alive. Now, a person does. But I think the Lord really wants us to see a new perspective of grace. We're all accountable to our lives. We're all accountable to our choices. And we'll give an account, the Bible says. But you know what? Some folks, just as this lost coin that is not evil, it doesn't have a say in what it does, a coin's destination, you know, coins do a lot of traveling. A coin's destination is directly determined by the decision, somebody say decision, of others. It's either used or traded or it's lost. And it can get lost because of the bad decision of the person who possesses it. So think of this. Lost people all over the world. They think a certain way. They may think the exact opposite of you. And we want to get mad because they think homosexuality is okay. Or we want to get mad because they think their son can just become a girl because she wants to make believe that she is. Or he wants to make believe that he is. That can have a tendency to make us mad, right? Or is that just me? But we can't build a bridge if we attack those people in hate. Right? We have to see the grace that says they're just lost. Maybe they were born not into a godly home. They were born with not godly parents. They, maybe they were sexually abused. Maybe they were molested. See, the person who possesses the coin directly has a, a, a say in where it goes. And so somebody who's just been raised in deceit and raised in lies and raised in deception can be manipulated and used. And before they know it, they're just living a life lost. And a lot of lost people, I think they don't even know that they're lost. The Israelites, they roamed the desert for 40 years. Lost. Lost. We have to have a compassion that says, and we have to ask the Holy Spirit to identify these types of people. Now, we, we have to facilitate God's kingdom and invite these types of people into the kingdom of God and in a total different approach than we do for somebody who is blatantly living in sin, living in lies, rooted in pride. We have to treat these people that are lost with grace and compassion. Are they going to fall down? Yes. They're going to fall down over and over and over again. And so when they fall down, are you just going to say, hey, and point a finger they ain't getting it. They're not like I was. Or are you going to pick them up? Because when you're lost, you don't know that you don't know that you don't know. And what if they fall down again? Can you pick them up again? The Bible says, we'll fall seven times. Get up eight. 
Are you on the long track, the long haul with Jesus? Right, look at that next point. So our world is filled with lost people, I'm going to say coins and air quotes, who are abused, wounded, rejected, and manipulated. Like a lost coin, they were mishandled. I love that thought. Think of that. I was kind of just hitting on that. Like a lost coin, they've been mishandled by other people. Y'all have heard it said, right? Hurt people. Hurt people. Jesus cares for the broken, the hurting, and he commands us to pray. He commands us to pray. And so I said we have to come at a different approach for folks that are lost, living in sin, and maybe they don't know. And a lot of times when we get frustrated with the things that we're doing for God and we're not seeing progress or we get frustrated with the things God is calling us to and we're feeling this resistance, there's a tendency to get frustrated, maybe bow out, bow down. There's a tendency for us to immediately go to all the big things that I think that I, think I need to do. And it's so simple. As I, maybe Pastor Keith told you last week that we're going to pray for, for three people this year. We're going to invite them to church this Easter. You immediately, probably some of you went to all the big things. Like, whoa, Pastor Keith, do I have to preach a message to them? Do I, I don't know enough verses in the Bible. Like, it might be awkward. Like, you want me to take the step of faith and invite somebody to the church? Like, I don't know what to say. You immediately went to all the big things, but I got good news for you. You like good news? Step one is always prayer. See, don't try and do God's job. Do yours. And if you can, by faith, begin to intercede and pray for them, God can do all the supernatural things. Preparing their hearts, lining up divine doors, lining up divine steps, actually Ordering their steps. The Bible says that if God can turn the heart of a king, he can turn the heart of a king. Why can't he turn their heart? Why can't he turn the heart of the president of the United States? Amen. How do we do it? Pray. Pray. See, the world has mishandled them. And so they're acting the way that they act. Because they've been mishandled. They were thrown away. They were discarded. You know, the world would chew you up and spit you out. And so when people come to church, don't treat them the way the world treats them. They're coming here for something different. Something better. And we know the source. We know who it is. And so because they've been mishandled, you got to see this. Who likes Amazon? <laughs> Got some amens. Y'all, some of y'all getting like 10, 12 Amazon boxes at your house every day. If you order something fragile on the box, right, what does it say? It says, handle gently. And because they've been mishandled, their spirit, their soul, as the church, we have to come at them different. We got to handle them gently. They're fragile, their frame of mind is fragile. Their spirit tribes, they've been hurt, they've been rejected, they don't trust people. And they're going to maybe surrender their heart to you if you're the one person that they know. And so you got to handle that thing, that heart. You got to handle it with care. You got to handle it gently, right? 
as we see that the world is lost, we have to recognize this, and this has to be one of our motivating factors. The world is lost and spiritually blind because the world is spiritually sick. The world is spiritually sick, and that's how we've gotten to where we've gotten. We could stand here and told you five years ago that in, in five years, in five years, kids in school will be able to say that they want to be the opposite gender, and it'll be totally fine and normal and hunky-dory and handy-dandy, and you would think we were crazy. You would think, we're never going to go that far. Uh-oh, somebody say, uh-oh. Here we are. Here we are. Maybe we're here where we are because the global church has sat comfortably on our stinking, somebody say stinking, butts. Because it's comfortable, we got air conditioning, some of y'all think it's too hot, some of y'all think it's too cold, and nobody can agree. But you're here, thank God. And there is a work, there is a work to do. If you have kids, you understand that. Maybe your kids are grown, and I hope we did a good job, but just because your kids are grown doesn't mean your work stops. We need you in the game too. We need to be praying. Right? We need compassion, not judgment. You don't need to tell them everything that's wrong with them. They already know. Right? You don't want to be judged. You don't want to be labeled. You don't want people telling you that you're this or that. Judgments put lids on us. You don't want to be limited, right? You don't want to be just a middle-aged, overweight, white guy. <laughs> right? You don't want that. So don't judge them. They, they get enough of that. They need to hear who God sees and says that they are. Right? Look at Matthew 9. We're going to read 9 through 13. And as... As I get ready to read this, as I'm talking about compassion, we actually read this out of Matthew 9 last week, where Jesus it says that as he saw the crowds, he was stirred with compassion because he saw that they were hopeless and lost because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so we have to, we have to be obsessed with souls the way God is, and we have to act accordingly. And Jesus is always our standard, and so he was moved with compassion. We're talking about being stirred with compassion because our world is lost, and they're lost because the world is sick. So I want to talk to you about healing here. From a look at verse 9, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. He said, Follow me and be my disciple. And Jesus said to him, or Jesus said to him, So Matthew got up and followed him. Can I stop there for a moment and preach? This is a different message for a different day, but I'm going to say it because it's going to be quick. What would happen if the church had that type of faith? Stop arguing. Stop saying, okay, Lord, I'll pray about it. I'll think about that, Lord. When the Holy Spirit speaks, get up and go. When the Holy Spirit speaks, get up and go. The living God is speaking directly to you. How awesome. What if you keep saying no? You keep saying not yet? And what if he just stops talking to you? I know I like obedient things. When we used to have dogs, we don't have them no more, praise God. We upgraded to kids. 
And that's a whole other ball game as far as obedience is concerned. I like obedient children also. But obedient dogs are so useful when they do what they're asked. How much more does God love obedient children? Right? Look at verse 10. Then later, this is what I want to get to. Later, Matthew invited Jesus to his disciples' home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Such lost people. Such disgusting people. Such sinners. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want to show mercy. Say that with me. Show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call those who think they're righteous, not those that think they're righteous, but those who know that they're a sinner. Don't forget where you've come from. Don't forget that the God that loved you in your pigsty is the same God that loves you now that you have three kids, a mortgage, and two cars. Now that you've been elevated, you're going to judge others because they're where you was five or ten years ago. Jesus says, I hope and pray that you would show mercy, not offer your religion, not offer your sacrifices, not offer your empty praises, but show mercy and love those and pray for those. Jesus was moved and motivated, think, by mercy, compassion, the promises of God, the word of God. Everywhere he went, everywhere he taught, everywhere he preached, signs, miracles, and wonders because he was motivated in love motivated in compassion. If you can get motivated in love and rooted in compassion, you'll do amazing things for the kingdom of God. He'll do them through you. You won't do them, but he'll do them through you. Look at that next point. Let's read it together. Look what it says. It says, so we pursue lost people through prayer. Prayer is our weapon. I like that. Of warfare that brings healing, breakthrough, and deliverance. Who believes in prayer? Right? Who believes in prayer? When's the last time you thought of prayer as a weapon? You know what I think of a weapon? When I think of a weapon, I think about violence. We said the devil don't play fair, right? Now, we're supposed to be clothed in humility and compassion. But when you pray, mm, sometimes I pray violently, y'all. I pray, shatter the teeth of the wicked. I pray, bring them to repentance, God. See, we treat their soul gently. But you pray fervently. You pray violently. There's so many awesome, powerful things we can do through prayer. We first, we start with prayer. We identify the person. God, I know that you formed them and fashioned them in their mother's room. God, you gave them a name. God, 
We, we, we pray and declare favor. We identify them. We identify their family. We identify their circumstances. We pray circles around them. We say, Holy Spirit, we identify so-and-so. We call and raise them up. So we identify through prayer. Now we prophesy. Amen. Can I get an amen? We declare what has not yet happened as though that it is going to happen in Jesus' name. We declare they're, they're addicted. They're lost. They're discouraged. They're depressed. We declare revelation in Christ. We declare, declare light in the darkness. We declare confidence and boldness and clear thinking. We identify, we prophesy, and now through prayer we can purify. We declare the, the cleansing of righteousness over them. Identify, prophesy. We can purify and we can pray. We sanctify all the eyes, all the eyes. Say it with me, eyes, eyes, eyes. We identify, we prophesy, we sanctify, we purify through prayer. Y'all confess that you believe in the power of prayer, but statistics say most of us don't pray outside of our families or outside of ourselves on a daily basis. <laughs> prayer has to be more than just about you. Are you all you pray about? Now, I know you need some prayer. I need some prayer. Y'all pray for me. But if you is all that you pray about, you're not going to turn the kingdom upside down and backwards for his glory. Prayer is a weapon. I said weapon, so use it. Just as you use your word, pray to him for them. Look at James 5, 16 through 20. Y'all going to know it. Look what it says. Confess your sins to each other. And what does it say? And pray. There's that word for each other so that you may be healed. It doesn't say pray for yourself so that you may be healed. It says pray for one another. Hold the Holy Spirit show me this week too. It says confess your sins to each other, one to another. It doesn't say confess your sins to God. Do we pray to God to cleanse us? Yes, but maybe the brother of Jesus, James, knows something extra special that our deliverance and our healing comes when I confess what I'm struggling with to another person. God's relational. We need a relationship with him, but we need a relationship with others. And if you need a relationship with others, guess what? They need somebody that they can trust, that they can confide in. And maybe the only thing stopping the, 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 the breakthrough and the flood uh, of blessing is just them being able to confess to somebody what is going on. Look at this. The rest of that verse, it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. I love that word power. And it produces wonderful results. Amen. What if I told you that your prayer life has the ability to change someone else's life? What if your prayer life has the ability to change, transform someone else's life? I get it. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, yeah, what if I pray for a whole day and nothing changes? Pray two. Pray three. I know my mom prayed for me for probably about five years. And you may say, well, I pray, what if, what if still nothing changed? What if nothing ever changes? Yeah, but what if it does? What if it does? 
What if it does? And so everybody should have got a prayer card. We gave these out last week. And so if you got a prayer card, and we're giving them out this week. If you got it, wave it at me. Come on. Wake up. Wave it at me. Thank you very much. If you didn't get one, raise your hand up real high. Our ushers are standing by. They want to give you one because we want you to join us and commit to praying for three specific people for Easter. We're talking about prayer. As you get it, look at the front. James 5, 16, we just read it. These are the, the verses we're going to pray, Romans 14 through 15. And on the back, there are three lines there for you to identify three people that maybe the Holy Spirit is showing you that are lost, that need grace, that need compassion, and that need an invitation to church on Easter. I told my Holly Pond folks last week, as I was studying and praying last week, we're talking about the value of one, and we don't ask you to write three names. I told Pastor Keith, I said, maybe we need to rethink that a second. I said, you pray about it. If you know three people, write them down. But what if? Because I know it's a challenge to, to pray for all the things you're already praying about, right? You're praying for this, you're praying for that, you're praying for your family, you're praying for yourself, praying for your business. And now we're asking you to pray for three people. But if I asked you just to pray, put all your eggs in one basket for one, somebody say one, one person, you have no excuses. And fervently pray for them and fervently Go to war and battle for them for 30 days, well, 21 days now. And then that week of Easter, invite them and watch God show up. Watch God move. Right? Look at that last point for today. Y'all don't lose these cards, even though we're going to give more out next week. Don't lose it. Be a good steward of what you've been given. Right? Look at that last point. Lost people coins feel vulnerable therefore they are resistant easily offended and withdrawn laboring and prayer breaks the tormenting spirits off their minds prayer opens their hearts and allows them to receive god's love know that you will experience resistance that's normal that's okay living for jesus is not always a gravy train so if it doesn't go the way you plan don't just say well, maybe I didn't have enough faith. Maybe I didn't pray hard enough. Maybe it's just not their time. The biggest blessings in this place, in this world, come from hard work, hard dedication. And if we love that person that much, if you can love that person that much, then why would you give up on them just because they have a hiccup? Just because they said no, not this time. If they decline your invitation to come to Easter, I hope you don't stop there. You just spent 30 days praying for them. They said, no, are you just going to stop? I would say continue, even if they say no. Well, we think if they said no, it wasn't of God. Don't do God's job. God loves every single person. They just said no, not now. I said no, not now a ton. In my sin. Some of y'all said no a lot too, didn't you? No, I ain't ready yet. Sin is enjoyable for a season, the Bible says. But guess what? As we pray for them, we can pray that that enjoyment come to an end. Come on, somebody. You can pray that maybe they get locked up in jail to come to revelation of Christ. Maybe they need to fall flat on their face and experience some financial hardships to come to the revelation of Jesus. Do not give up. What happens when you pray like that? When you pray fervently for somebody in love and compassion, you take their struggles, you take their battles, and you put them on your back. Can I get an amen? You take what they think and put it on your back. Amen. You stand in the gap and you fight and you war and you pray violently and fervently for them. You literally take their life and put it on your back. 
When they can't fight, you fight. When they want to give up, you keep going. I got good news. Jesus gives us the keys to do what I'm talking about right now. I want to read you with the, leave you with the scripture. Let's read it together. Matthew 16, verse 19. All you Bible scholars will know this one, right? Jesus said, I give you the keys. Say it with me. The keys. Put that in the chat if you're watching us today. Keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You have the power to bind and to loose things from heavenly spaces. How do you tap into that power? Through prayer. So if you say, Pastor, I got the power to, 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 to bind and to loose, I'm saying I didn't say it, but I'm saying Jesus said it. Come on, somebody. Jesus said that you do. So you have that divine power. Think of this. You have the power to pray for the powerless. God calls you to walk in the power to pray for those that are powerless. See, you know the truth. You know the difference God makes. They don't yet. God's called you to bind those things and loose those things over their life. The value of one, an inherent value directly from God. If they're not in relationship with God, it grieves his heart. And if I believe in God, then I got to be a people finder. The best place to start is through prayer. Who can commit to praying with Pastor Keith and Pastor Kelly and Pastor Ian and Pastor Jessica from now until Easter? Come on, just a couple of you, man. I'm seeing hands not raised. I hope I didn't put you to sleep today. I hope the preaching wasn't that bad. Come on, can you commit to praying for signs, miracles, wonders, deliverance, repentance in Jesus' name? Amen. Y'all pray with me as we close. As we talked about lost people in the lost world today, I want to invite you, if you are born again Christian, you are already in relationship with God through his son. Jesus has a say in your life. He has a say in where you go. He has a say in what you say. He has a say in what you don't say. He has a say in where you don't go. Your relationship with God, I want you to pray right now for the lost. Maybe you can start praying for some of those names you've already identified. Now's that time to do that. But what I want to do is, as you're praying for the lost, there's maybe somebody else here in the sanctuary or watching us online. You say, Pastor Ian, what you've been talking about today is me. I'm as lost as lost can be. I'm, I'm hopeless. I need some help. You know it's okay to need some help, and I got good news for you. The helper is here. His name is Jesus. And if you just say, I want to pray to accept Jesus, and I need some help for my life. I've been lost. I want to be found. I'm blind, and now I want to see. I got something I want you to do for me. I want you right now just to stand up. I don't want you to think about what other people think. No one's looking at you. We're actually praying for you. I want you to physically stand up all over this place to pray to accept Jesus. Have the guts. Jesus went to the cross to die for your sins. The least you can do if he's talking to your heart is right now stand up. Amen. If you're watching this online, I want you to put something in the chat if you're making that decision. Say, hey, I'm, I'm praying to accept Jesus today. I want to pray to accept God. I want you to put something in the chat to let us know. Amen. A few more seconds to change your life. This prayer is not going to be what saves you. It's going to be what you do after you leave here is what's going to seal you. And amen. Amen. Praise God. 
Amen. Well, no one is standing in our sanctuary, but somebody could be making this decision online with us. So what I want to do is lead us all in a prayer. Amen. So you repeat after me. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We trust you. We believe in your son. We believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again on the third day for my salvation. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. And send your Holy Spirit to redeem my future. Pray this in faith. And in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Who's glad you came to church today? Bunch of you. Thankful. So glad you came too, amen. Y'all are officially dismissed. Hope you have a good, safe Sunday. If you missed Pastor Keith today, make sure you send him a message. Let him know you loved him and missed him. Amen. Y'all are dismissed. We love you.